Welcome to The Deal with Yield, your podcast series that covers the issues that matter most in crop production. I'm your host, John Zook, agronomist for Winfield United, and on the phone with me today is Lillian Magadow, Senior Research Manager for Winfield United. Lillian is joining us today from River Falls and sharing with us some of the new findings coming out of our Innovation Center. So Lillian, can you tell us a little bit about your role at Winfield United and some of the new cool work you've been doing at the Innovation Center? What I do here is I manage our research around spray application technology. Uh, we have been in this space for a long time. I was brought in in 2011 to really build up our spray analysis program, um, but we've been doing drift trials uh, in the field for a long time before that. So spray application technology, like that's like a 75 center right there. Can you give us a little bit more perspective of the equipment that you get to work with and kind of the breadth of all that? If you want to figure out what's going on in the field with a sprayer, you can go out and do that in the field. But there's a lot of other factors out there that can make that challenging. So a lot of what we do relates to drift. And to get drift, you need some wind, but the wind doesn't always cooperate. You might not get the wind you want when you want it when you're doing a field research project. So what we did is we built a wind tunnel system, and it has a laser sensor that looks at sprays and measures the droplets in those sprays in a controlled environment. And that enabled us to do a lot of research in the lab before we take it out to the field and get through a lot more treatments and understand and learn a lot more about how sprays work. So we would call that the spray analysis system, SAS, as it's passionately referred to. Is that correct? Um, I don't know if you've been reading my newsletters or not, John. (laughs) We had the spray analysis system, and that was what we called kind of version 1.0, and that's kind of big red as we called it. It was painted red just to kind of be more recognizable, honestly. And that was the first system we built, and we got tons of great data um, from that system. And then in 2017, when we moved into our new building here in River Falls, we built SprayTech 1, and that's the version 2.0 of our spray analysis system. Can you tell us a little bit about the laser? So when I think laser, I think about a laser pointer or like Luke Skywalker laser. Like, tell us about the, the, the technology behind that and kind of the, what it's able to capture and sense and, and some of the outputs that come out. So I'm a weed scientist, and I learned a lot of this on the job, and I know a lot of our listeners might not know a ton about lasers. But basically, lasers are light, light that has been intensified and focused, and we also know how much light there is coming out of a laser. So uh, what our system does is it shines a laser beam through a spray, so it's just, just like a laser pointer. There's a red beam going through that spray, And on the other side of that is a detector. And what that detector can see is where does that light go? How do those droplets cause that light to diffract or to move away from where it was pointed? So just like a lens or the surface of water, when you shine light through a droplet, it can bend that light and move it somewhere other than a straight line. And that's what that system is doing. And no, that probably doesn't answer your question, After that, a whole bunch of math occurs, 
And what we're able to do is figure out the droplet sizes within that spray. So I guess I was just looking for an answer to, is it a red laser or is it a green laser? Well, we have more than one laser. So for several years, we had just our red laser using laser diffraction. And then we invested in another system, which uses a green laser, and that uses a phase Doppler system. And those are two different ways of measuring the same thing, and they give us different types of information. There's pros and cons to using the different ones, but by using both of them, we get a much more complete picture of the spray and understanding what that spray does. So we have an output of that picture of that spray pattern coming off of uh, different active ingredients out of different nozzles at different pressures, um, maybe different temperatures, humidities. I mean, all those things can be controlled within the, the spray tech. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what your team at the Innovation Center is doing as far as some significant discoveries around dicamba, drift, and some of the new spray technologies in the industry today? We have a picture of what's the output coming from the lasers. We can look at the spray pattern um, at different nozzles, different pressures, temperature, humidity, um, different active ingredients. So tank mixes is a critical component as we've learned. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about what your team at the Innovation Center is doing in the new spray technologies of dicamba and some of the discoveries around the drift issues there? Yeah, so we've been looking at dicamba sprays for a number of years. As you know, there's a lot of concern about where do these sprays go? Are there particles or droplets drifting, or is there vapor drifting? Um, What's happening with dicamba? So we've been looking at that quite a bit, and in recent years, the DRA has emerged. Do you know what a DRA is? Uh, DRA. Is this a quiz? It is a quiz. I'm asking you the questions now. Drift reduction adjuvant. And I know that there's a lot of them on all the dicamba labeled for soybeans. Right. So, yeah. So, these drift reduction adjuvants kind of emerged a couple years ago. And they're a tool that enable you to put more different products in that tank mix with a dicamba spray. And so between the DRA, the ultra-coarse nozzles that are on the label, the different label restrictions, there are a lot of things that are trying to protect these dicamba sprays from moving off-target or having some kind of off-target effect. And so we have done quite a bit of research, both in the lab and in the field, with dicamba sprays, looking at different ways to apply them. And we know that it can be challenging, that you really need to follow the label, follow the restrictions, you know, cross your T's and dot your I's to get a really good application with those products. So are all DRAs created equal? No, there's some different DRAs out there. Um, Most of them are in the polymer category, and there's kind of two main types. There's polyacrylamides, which are a bit, I guess you'd kind of say you're more old-fashioned polymers. And then there's your guar-based polyacrylamides, and those come from a plant-based product. Uh, And both of them thicken the spray considerably. And that's kind of their main mode of action, if you will, of uh, reducing the fine droplets in that spray. So once we reduce the fine droplets, does that mean that all of the fines are out of the solution and so we shouldn't have any drift potential to the neighbor's crops? Good question. So um, yes and no. 
So we're looking at, you know, okay, we've got this dicamba system. We've got all these different things you can do to make an on-label application, reduce that drift risk. Why are we still seeing off-target effects all across the country? You know, is we had to make an assumption, okay, probably a lot of people are applying on-label, and, and we're not going to make the assumption that everyone's just, you know, messing up, basically. Is there something in this spray that is still leading to drift? Is there something we're not thinking of? And so that's where we said, okay, we've done a lot with our red laser. Let's get the green laser involved. Uh, let's look at things a little bit differently. And let's look at more field realistic conditions in our testing. So a little backstory on that. Most of our testing is done using a, a lab method that's a standard protocol. You know, that's what we call it. It's the standard protocol. And this is the protocol that's used widely. It's approved by the EPA uh, for testing different products. And it gives you really reproducible results. You can get the same answer on the same test material every time, basically. And you know what? It is fantastic for comparing different products or different nozzles or doing kind of your really nitty-gritty science. But one thing that it doesn't do is reflect what's really happening in the field. And when you're spraying in the field, you've got different, you know, lots of different things are happening, but you have the speed of your sprayer going across the field. And that is one thing that is affecting the spray. It's essentially a wind almost that's affecting that spray as you move across that field. And people can be going pretty fast. Then you can have any other wind that's present in that field even if you're, you know, on label, it's under 10 mile per hour winds, you're still getting some air movement there, and these things are affecting your spray. So what we did in our um, kind of new test method is we introduced that crosswind into our spray uh, when we're using a DRA. So you brought Mother Nature into the lab. Basically, yes, without breaking Sweet. anything. You know, <laughs> Mother Nature no tornadoes. sometimes do that. No tornadoes. And so what we found was really interesting. What we found was that, you know, DRAs, ultra-course tips, all these things are supposed to be making negligible amount of fines. No fines, basically, is what people generally think. Yep. But when we introduced these, we found fines, fine droplets is what I'm saying, uh, downwind of that spray, up close to the tip. And if those were going to be uh, moving down and trained in that spray, we wouldn't expect to find them there. So essentially what we found is that ultra-coarse tips and a DRA don't completely get rid of the fine droplets. So you can And we be, were able to quantify that. So we could be doing everything right in the field, following the label to a T, um, using a DRA, the right one, uh, for that application, using the right pressures, the right nozzle, all the tank mixes, and we could still be getting fine droplets. Exactly. How do we fix yeah, that problem? I think, right. So you always want to be a problem solver, not just a problem identifier. So in all these years of testing sprays, we've learned a lot about how different products work, how to combine things, how to come up with those best practices. And so what we did was we took some, um, because we wanted a system that would work in 2019, you know, we need a quick turnaround, something that's available today. We looked at our current catalog and we said, what can we use? And knowing some of what we knew about sprays, we looked at using interlock at a two-ounce rate with that DRA spray, 
And lo and behold, we found that that reduced those fine droplets that were still present. So we had fines even when we made the droplets as huge as we possibly could. Mm-hmm. And by adding that interlock, you saw a significant reduction still in the fines that were there. That's right. Yeah. So I think so, people so, had been kind of throwing up their hands and saying, well, there's just not much more we can do. We're doing everything right. You know, pointing the finger at volatility or other factors. But here's something that has to do with the sprays and the droplets that you can actually do something about. So, so yeah, so there's a definitely a decision to be made for 2019. And, and I feel like sometimes in Minnesota, we go, oh, June 20th deadline, how much are we going to spray um, in the first place? But really, when we look at the data that we have, red laser versus green laser, polyacrylamide versus polysaccharide, um, control number of fine droplets versus not, who else in the industry is able to look at that and make a better recommendation? That's right. And so this this interlock approach, it's the only thing that's been proving to have this effect on the DRA where those fines are present. So Lillian, I think the findings that come out of the Innovation Center on this dicamba technology and all the laser information is really cool. But I guess I got a little bit of an inside scoop and, and I hear the Innovation Center is under construction. Can you give us a little update of of what's going on there and what we can expect to see with the new pieces of equipment that are going in? Yeah, so we've got some really exciting stuff underway here in River Falls. We're building SprayTech 2. So SprayTech 1 is kind of what we've been using as the meat and potatoes of our spray technology program. We use it a lot for developing new products, um, but it's pretty it's pretty arcane, you know. It's it's basically just gives you droplet size information, and we can do a ton of stuff with that. But it's still kind of disconnected from the field. We're testing a single nozzle. We're not testing a whole boom, and we can't look real well at what's happening downwind. That's a struggle. That's a challenge. So what we have coming online this year, very soon, is Spray Tech Two. So Spray Tech Two is a much larger wind tunnel. And when I say large, I'm talking 50 feet long. So SprayTech 2 is 50 feet long, and you could probably fit a car in there. Uh, more importantly, now that would be fun, and I don't know if it would be allowed from a safety perspective, but more importantly is you can put a boom in there. And so you can put multiple nozzles. You can have this wind that's going to show what happens downwind when you're drifting, and you can look at different temperature and humidity in sophisticated ways. And I think one of the things I'm most excited about is, you know, we've got greenhouse facilities now. We didn't used to have that. Two years ago, we didn't have that. Well, we could actually put plants inside of this wind tunnel and drift onto those plants and see what happens, compare different effects. So you took me on like an emotional ride of like trying to, tell me that what we currently have isn't good enough to what we're having is going to be like the next sweetest thing that we're ever going to be able to look at in agriculture. I I mean, I kind of just like my heart dropped when you said arcane, because that seems like that was the best technology we've ever had and that anybody ever has, but then we just made it that much better. Um, I mean, how, what kind of output do you think we're going to have? What's the time frame? Um, And then I guess, what can we look forward to? I mean, what's our first project going to be? Just give us a little hint there. Do you know yet? 
Yeah. So well, let me take a little step back, you know, because <laughs> you're right. I, I didn't give Spray Tech One a fair shake there. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's so different from the field. We're really getting just a really controlled measurement in there. It's like looking at something in a microscope in a way. And what Spray Tech 2 gives us is that halfway step between that, that really precise measurement in Spray Tech 1 and the field. And, you know, I probably sounded pretty excited about it, but it even has a second component because if you're building one wind tunnel, you want to get the most out of it, you can. And we were able to also add the ability to do high-speed testing, which would be for aerial applications. So it's kind of a two-in-one. So you said we could not put a car in it, but now we can put an airplane in it? Okay, not the airplane in it, but you can also you can look at airplane nozzles. So that's kind of in the, the upper deck. It has an upper deck and a lower deck. So the lower deck is where you can put plants in. You can put iron weeds in if you're familiar with those and drift yes. on those. And then the upper deck is where you can put airplane nozzles on and go really, really fast. Awesome. Lillian, so excited to hear uh, what you have coming and the work that's being done there. It's truly going to be revolutionary to what we're doing in the field and really going to add to us making decisions uh, across those production acres. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Is there something else you'd like to hear on the Deal with Yield? Let us know. Visit dealwithyield.com backslash survey, any of the Winfield United social channels or newsletters to find a link to the listener survey. If you take the survey, you will be entered to win an Amazon gift card. You've been listening to Deal With Yield Podcast. For more episodes, find us on iTunes, Podbean, and thedealwithyield.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes open to residents of the U.S. who are 18 or over. Void where prohibited or restricted by law. Subject to official rules available at dealwithyield.com slash survey. Sweepstakes end June 1st, 2019, sponsored by Winfield United.